Hi, I'm Pastor Adam, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that journey. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Our scripture this morning comes to us from the letter of 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, as we continue our Stones of Remembrance series. Hear now God's word. Rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and all guile, insincerity, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Come to him a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, see, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. To you then who believe, he is precious But for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the very head of the corner, and a stone that makes them stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God indeed. Thank you, Shannon. And thank you so much for filling in this morning as our liturgists. As you can see, I am back, but Pastor Adam and Pastor Sarah are away on a well-deserved vacation. Pastor Adam and his wife have gone uh, up north to visit a sister, and then I believe Pastor Sarah is out in California. So we will be excited to welcome everyone back as we transition into the fall. But uh, let us join together now in prayer. Almighty God, you have built your church on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Join us together in unity of spirit by their teaching that we may become a holy temple acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Once again, I am Pastor Corey, and if you are new to the church in the last six weeks, it's nice to meet you, and if you've been away for the last six weeks, you may have no idea I too have been away. So, I am grateful to be back. I had the amazing opportunity to be away uh, for rest and renewal, and so my family took some time. We went to Texas to celebrate the life of a dear friend's father, and then we flew to Northern Ireland for a month, where we spent some time in a small town called Newcastle, and Ryan has some slides. This is actually uh, the beach at Newcastle's, walking distance from our house, but it's at the base of the Mourne Mountains. So it's a beach and the mountainside uh, all in one. And as you can see, there are lots of rocks. So we were thinking of you all while we were away. And uh, I had the opportunity, we have some, a few more. This is the beach, this is our walk into town. So it was only about a 10 minute walk, but you can see how just majestic and beautiful it was going through the park to get there uh, and seeing that view every day. 
You can go to the next one. There's Ephraim. He found a rock wall. See, we were thinking about y'all the whole time we were there. Just stones of remembrance. So he snapped that picture. Hey, one more. And then this is called rock shop, okay? So you can buy rocks, you can sell rocks, but you got to pay with rocks, okay? Uh, so this is right on the beach. You and in, uh, Ephraim uh, had created a little shop, and they were trying to, to make a rock. So... Uh, and then this is the Giant's Causeway. These are natural rock formations that have been formed over, you know, millions of years. And it, people come from all over. It's one of the, uh, the wonders of Northern Ireland. And so we had an opportunity to go and explore that. Uh, you can go back to that beach picture. It's a really sweet uh, backdrop for our Stones of Remembrance uh, sermon this morning. But just to give you an idea of where we were and what we were doing, we stayed in a local Methodist pastor's parsonage while we were there, and I got to preach for him just a few times while he was away. And But I didn't have any responsibilities during the week, so I got to play just Taurus during the week and enjoy the much cooler, much rainier weather there. It was the rainiest July period on record uh, in Northern Ireland. So uh, if you ask Ephraim, you know, is he ready to go back? He's like, not so much for the rain, um, but we, we had a, a wonderful time. And as I mentioned, I couldn't resist grabbing some rock pictures for you all. And now that we're back, back to the reality of a hot, humid North Carolina August. I mean, if, you, if you've been anywhere cooler this summer, you know when you step out those automatic doors at RDU, um, it hits you so hard. It takes your breath away. Uh, and we're back to the reality of kindergarten orientation this week for Ephraim, and then preschool starts for Ewan in just a few. We're back to our extracurriculars and our tightened schedules. Some would say we're back to the grind. It is that annual time of transition, of setting new routines, new rhythms, children beginning something new and reminding ourselves what our priorities are and what we want our lives to look like in this changing season. And I have read many books on habit formation and habit keeping, and a lot of experts say that times of natural transition or change are actually the very best times to open ourselves to new practices or new habits. And because those times remind us that even though change is difficult, it's necessary. It's powerful, it's possible, and it's all around us. I mean, soon we're going to watch the change in the leaves and the temperatures cool, and we're going to watch nature begin its radical transformation, dying so that it might come alive in the spring. And I have to say, while this year I am more ready than ever, to shift back into a little more normal, a little more routine. I'm going to be grieving in some ways. I mean, I don't know when my baby became old enough to go to school and after school. And I'll be honest, in all that sadness, I wonder, you know, if the trees grieve their leaves every fall. You know, even despite the challenges, natural times of transition in our lives open the door. I believe they open us up to recognize the need for and the possibility, not just of change in our lives, but of transformation. Not just of change, but transformation. And when I say not just change, but transformation, here's what I mean. Because there is a difference. Change is about behavior. 
You know, we start eating more oatmeal because our doctor just said our cholesterol was a little too high. I told Tiag, and I just picked that as a random example. Uh, but the transformation, it's different. Transformation, it's more internal. It's more about reflecting on our core beliefs, our long-term behaviors, and achieving something new or different in our lives. So we can see that positive impact of daily oatmeal on our cholesterol, but that change may lead us to transform how we attend to our overall physical health in other ways. Change can often lead to transformation, but it doesn't necessarily. Some folks say that change happens around us. Transformation happens within us. Change happens around us. Transformation happens within us. So now how did I get from routine shifting to eating oatmeal, and now I've got to get back to the rocks? Because that's what we've been talking about all summer. Promise we're going to get there. Our passage this week is from 1 Peter, and these letters are attributed to the disciple-turned-apostle, the one Jesus called the rock. Pastor Adam preached on that very passage last week, and Jesus said that he would build his church upon this rock, Peter. And if, been, if you've been listening to me preach for very long, you'll probably know I have a real soft spot for Peter. I think he's a bit of a curmudgeon. He, he isn't really smooth at all. Uh, he's a disciple who really, really has to study for the test. It doesn't come naturally to him. And so I've always just appreciated how relatable Peter's struggle is, and I've always been inspired by his relentless persistence, despite his setbacks. And here in this passage, Peter is instructing new believers and not so new believers, but believers who are struggling. He is writing to them about how we lived a transformed life in Christ. Not just a changed life, but a transformed life in Christ. His first instruction here in this opening verse in chapter 2 is to rid yourselves, therefore, of all malice and God, insincerity, envy, and all slander, so that you may grow into salvation. Rid yourselves of all these things so that you may grow into your salvation. But only do this if you have tasted that the Lord is good. Rid yourselves of these things if you have tasted, if you have experienced the goodness of God. The instruction Peter's, Peter offers is not Rid yourselves of these things, and then you will know Jesus. Then you will taste that the Lord is good. Change on your own. Stop doing things that are sinful, and then Jesus will love you, and you can experience that goodness. No. Our spiritual transformation, our transformation in Christ comes not from our own desire to be better, our own obligation to do spiritual things so that God will love us more, Our transformation comes when we experience the love of Christ within ourselves first. When we allow ourselves to be fully loved by Christ, when we taste the goodness of God. That goodness of God. It's difficult for many of us to experience and believe that goodness because life can be so hard. And because that love can be difficult to believe in or experience, so many of us root our understanding of discipleship in external behaviors, things we can manage or control. I'm a Christian if I do X, Y, and Z. 
or I'm a good follower if I complete A, B, and C. Hear me say this. What I just said, I'm a Christian if, that's theologically incorrect. We cannot earn our salvation. That's actually heresy. It's a scary word. Okay? It's incorrect. We cannot earn our way into God's good graces. We cannot attend enough small groups or worship services or show up to enough service projects or even read our Bible enough to earn God's love. And we cannot rid ourselves of enough malice, guile, insincerity, envy, or slander to show God how much we love God and hope God sees our earnestness and finally loves us back. There is nothing you can do to earn the love of God. There is nothing you can do to earn the love of God. I'm talking to you. Now I'm talking to you. I'm talking to me. The love of God for you is immovable, unconditional. It is absolute. No matter what you have done or what you will do, the love of God for you cannot be questioned or changed. God loves you. God loves you right where you're sitting right now, whether you're here in this sanctuary or if you're online joining us at home. God loves you whether you had a fight with your spouse on the way to church this morning or maybe you yelled at your kids a little too loud getting ready. God loves you even if you feel like God doesn't love you. God loves you even if life is difficult right now. God loves you if you're unemployed right now. God loves you if you're struggling with addiction. God loves you if you've said things to a friend that you deeply regret. God loves you if you've wounded someone you love. God loves you. Do we believe that? Can we believe that? Maybe you've come to church your whole life and you've never let God love you. Or maybe this is the first worship service you've ever attended and you've never been told that God loves you right now. Hear the good news. While we were yet sinners, while we were still lost, not when we were found, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us, and that proves God's love toward us. That proves God's love toward us. God loved us so much that even while we were still lost in our sin, even while we were not a people, even while we were living in darkness, God saw goodness in us. God saw light in us. God saw the love in us. And God gave everything to reveal God's love to us so that we might experience that love and know that we are a people, so that we might experience that love and know that there is a marvelous light that we can live into, so that we might experience the goodness of God and be forever transformed by it. Not just temporarily changed, but forever transformed by it. Because when we are transformed by love, it leads to a shift. It leads to a hunger, a hunger within us, like Peter says, like babies crave milk for survival. We should crave the journey to salvation, hungry to experience more deeply that love that God has for us. Because we have been transformed by love. Because of that, we long 
for community to share it with. We long for worship. We long for opportunities to study together, to share life together. Because we've been transformed by love, we want to share it with others through service, through hospitality, through an ever-deepening relationship with God and one another. It's through worship, through study, through community, through service, through prayer, that that relationship with Christ becomes more and more intimate, and we experience that love more and more deeply. God loves you. Now, I'm heart-centered, and that is a shameless plug for a future Enneagram small group if you're interested. But here's a little insight into my parenting style. I could be really harsh in correcting my little rascals one minute, and then like nothing at all has happened. I'll just like to stare at them. Uncomfortably sometimes for them, I'm sure. And I know they get annoyed by it. But I just like to stare at them and be like, you know, I love you so much. And usually they say, oh, love you too, or they run away. Uh, But I can only imagine feeling that, how genuine and often that gesture comes from God. I just love you. And I hope we can hear it. God delights in us despite who we are and who we've been. God loves you. And the more we experience that love, the more we know what it meant to be not a people. And the more deeply we experience that love, the more we know what it meant to live in darkness. And our desire becomes, it is transformed to live in and be light, marvelous light. Receiving and experience the love of God for us and in us, it does transform us. It calls us to remove the stones that we have built our life upon, to clear them away, to remove them, and to rebuild our lives with Christ as the cornerstone, to build our lives on the living stone that is Jesus, to build our lives on the love of Christ for the world. That is what it means to let Christ be your cornerstone, to let Christ be the rock upon which you stand, to build our lives on the love of Christ for the world to taste it, to know it, to experience it, and ultimately to share it. The world doesn't know how loved it is. Many of us in this very place have no idea how loved we are. The church is hurting, and it is struggling. And at the same time, people are desperate for love, desperate to know that they are enough, that they have value, They are not alone. The church should be bursting at the seams in a world so desperate for love and hope. And yet we aren't. I don't have all the answers. I pray for them. I pray for the church. I pray for each of you. And I know that Orange United Methodist Church alone cannot change the landscape of the future universal church. But I do believe that the same message Peter preached in his letter 2,000 years ago is a message that we're all desperate to hear today and know for ourselves that we are a people 
Individually and collectively, we are loved by God so desperately. I know we're being called into light regardless of the darkness we've known or we currently know. And my prayer for this community is that we can allow God's unconditional, unmatched love transform us in such a way that we have no other response than to pursue an even deeper relationship. Many of us show up week after week. Ooh, it's Sunday. <coughs> Gotta go to church. Because that's what God wants, or maybe that's what someone else wants. Even I'm guilty of it. And then I'm here. And whether it's a song, or a reading from scripture, or a hug or handshake from one of you, or it's the message, or it's a prayer offered, when God's love through the power of the Holy Spirit inevitably hits me like a ton of bricks, pun intended. It hits me like a ton of bricks. And I have this come to Jesus moment when I realize to be here, I don't have to be. I get to be here. It's a gift. To be in the company of saints, to be surrounded by the priesthood of all believers, what a fortunate sinner I am. What a fortunate sinner I am to never be given up on, week after week, to be reminded that God's love for me is so deep and profound that while I was and am still a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ died for you, and through his resurrection has called us into that transformed life. A life rooted in Christ's love for us, built on the foundation of Christ as our cornerstone. A life lived out of that love. Christ loves you. I pray you've tasted the goodness of that love. And if you haven't, and you long to, I know that you are not alone. Come talk to me or one of our other pastors because you are loved by God and by this community. We are a people. We are light transformed by the love of one who is our foundation, our cornerstone. I want to end with a prayer that's a blessing by a preacher who I deeply respect named the Reverend Jan Richardson, and it is entitled, A Blessing That Meets You in Love. So let us pray. It is true that every blessing begins with love. That whatever else it might say, love is always precisely its point. But it should be noted that this blessing has come today especially to tell you it is crazy about you, that it has been in love with you forever, that it has never not wanted to see your face or go through this world in your company. This blessing thought it was high time it told you so, just to make sure you know. If it has been shy in saying this, it has not been for any lack of wanting to. It's just that this blessing knows the risk of offering itself in a way that will so alter you. Not because it thinks you could stand some improving, but because this is simply where loving leads. 
This blessing knows how love undoes us, unhinges us, unhides us. It knows how loving can sometimes feel like dying. But today, this blessing has come to tell you the secret that sends it to your door. That it gives itself only to those willing to come alive. That it vows itself only to those ready to be born anew. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.